Good morning. All right, so we are still, we're still in the book of Jude. Um, on last week, we talked about uh, being sanctified, uh, preserved, and called. Um, I wanted to just, because that was what we had planned, to move on to the next set of verses in Jude. Um, we're going to move on to the next set of verses. But in asking the question last week uh, in regards to being called, in regards to knowing what God is calling you to do, in asking that question, uh, who knows what they're called to do? Who knows for a fact what it is that God wants you to do in this lifetime? Um, Like one or two of you may have raised your hand. And so... uh, I guess the evangelist in me want, wants to just go to the next set of verses. But the pastor uh, in me that thinks that we need to, uh, after praying about that, it was like, that's something we need to address. Um, we can't just move on from that uh, just because um, that's what we had scheduled to do. And we're going to move on from that, but we really can't. That's something... That is an issue or an area that needs to be looked closer at for the majority of us. And because it is, we're going, we're going to look closer uh, at it today. So again, we talked about being sanctified, preserved, and called. And in regards to being called, we're going to look uh, closer at it today. We're going to talk today about uh, calling and purpose. Okay? Um, it is the idea that there is something that God wants you to do to help further his kingdom. There is something for everybody. There is something that he wants you to do to help further his kingdom. And it is up to you to seek him and see what it is he wants you to do. Um, We're going to talk about that today. And so when you leave here today, I either want you, you'll be in one of two places. Either you'll have a better idea of what that is, or when you leave here, you'll know what you have to do to find out what that is. Okay? God wouldn't have you to be in this place where you don't know what he expects from you. That's not what he wants. Uh, That's not what he wants. And... That is something that's extremely important. I really can't stress that enough. Um, It it keeps coming to my heart, to my spirit, that one day we'll stand before him. And it it alludes to it in the parable of the talents, that one day we'll stand before him, and God himself will want to know, did you do what you were supposed to do with what you were given? Did you do what you were called to do? You were called to do something. Did you do it? And salvation, it won't be about salvation. Okay, salvation is just the beginning. That God has something that he wants you to do. That salvation is just the start of that. Salvation only gets that ball rolling. And um, we, need to, we need to come up on that. So uh, calling and purpose, we're going to talk about it today. Um, Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you 
uh, for this time. Uh, God, we ask that you forgive us of our sins, please. Wash us with your forgiveness. Um, God, remove anything um, that would hinder us from hearing from you and experiencing you today. Speak to our hearts. Uh, Father, our expectations from you. Um, fill this place with your presence. Speak to your people today. And we'll give you all honor and glory. We thank you, you and you alone, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in regards to calling and purpose, um, knowing that God is calling you to do something, knowing that God is calling you to a certain task or task uh, is... I was, I was having a conversation with someone the other day. It is the, to me, it is the most important question you can ask God. To me, it is the most important question that you can ask God. God, I know that you have preserved me. I know that you have sanctified me. You've set me aside. You've kept me away from certain temptations. You've kept me away from certain people. You've kept me away from certain opportunities. You have sanctified me. And the word sanctified means to be set apart and separated. And so, God, you've, you've, you've separated me. You've also preserved me. You've protected me from people. You've protected me from myself. You've protected me from... There is, I guarantee you, out of 200-plus uh, people, uh, between two and 300 people in this room, I guarantee you at least 20% of us at some point in our lives found ourselves in a situation where we shouldn't, we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. And you know who you are. You, you were, and I'm one of those people was in a, and have, have put myself. It wasn't that the devil did it. I put myself in stupid situations. Did things I shouldn't have done. Found myself in places I shouldn't have even found myself in. And I should not be here. But the same God that sanctified me and set me aside, he was preserving me. And many times from myself. And so, God, I know that you sanctified me. I know that you preserved me at some point to ask the question, God, why? Why did you do that? Like, you could have let me die. Why didn't you do that? You could have let me go crazy. Why didn't you do that? And so to just continue to exist and never, never have the wherewithal to say, why, God, why are you doing this? Why are you keeping me? Uh, if you go on in Jude, and we're going to get to it later, uh, the very last verse, the doxology in, in Jude, it says, unto him that is able to keep us from falling. And so God keeps us. God, why did you keep me? Why did you do that? Why did you spare my life? And so, don't be confused about this. You are here because God brought you here. Every single one of us. Young, old, from the ones who know what's going on in this room to the, the, the young kids in the back who don't really know as much what's going on. They're just kind of living day to day, uh, doing whatever you know feels right. Uh, regardless of whether you know or not, God has kept you. And he's preserved you for a reason. I, I told you last time that we, uh, you know, I have a number of things I've preserved in my refrigerator. Uh, I don't have one thing in there that I don't plan on eating. 
Not one thing. You can go from top to the bottom. If it's in there and I don't plan on eating it, there's not anything in there. I've gone through the whole thing, especially this week with Tessa being gone. Uh, there's not anything in there that I can't eat. And so everything in there, I've preserved it. I've taken measures to preserve it. Now, I didn't preserve it just to preserve it. I didn't preserve it just out of the kindness of my heart for yogurt. <laughs> I'm not preserving it just because. I preserved it for use. My use. Now, what I plan to do with it isn't really, I'm not really taking into consideration the best interests of the yogurt. It's, it's, it's not really, it's about my agenda. It's about my agenda, and it's about what I want to do with what I have preserved. And so you have to know that God has preserved you for a reason, for his reason, for his glory, and for his purpose. It is not about you. It is not about me. God didn't preserve me for me. Now, he loves me, but he didn't preserve me for me. He didn't preserve you for you, for your own good, so that you can... uh, you know, he didn't preserve you just so you could live to see 70 or 80. And no, 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 it, it wasn't about that. He had an agenda all along. Jeremiah said, before I was in my mother's womb, you knew me. And already had ordained me a prophet into the nations. Jeremiah said, before I was born, you had a plan for my life. You knew where this was going to go. You knew, you knew where I would stumble, uh, when I would stumble and where I wouldn't. You knew who would stay with me and who would walk away. The whole time you had this plan for me, a plan to prosper me. Get this, a plan to prosper me and give me an expected end. Jeremiah 29 and 11. He has a plan to prosper you and give you an expected end, an expected end. Who expects it? Not you. Not me. I didn't expect to be here. I didn't expect to be doing this. You probably didn't expect to be where you are. This person in your... Uh, raise your hand if you knew. You might have known. Some of you might have known. Uh, raise your hand if you knew when you were 15, 16, uh, that you would be where you are doing what you're doing at this point in your life. Raise your hand if you knew that. When you were young, you knew you knew you'd be here doing what you were doing. Uh, for those of you that are, uh, are not looking all the way around, nobody's hands raised. Okay, let me let me help you. Uh, nobody's hands raised. You didn't know. You didn't expect this. And so when Jeremiah twenty nine eleven it says, "I'm going to give you the expected end." It's not the end that you expected. It's the end the end that he expected. The Bible says that he knows the end from the beginning. From the beginning, the day you were born, God looked at you and he knew where all this was going. The day you were born, God looked at you when your mom and dad first held you in their hands. You couldn't even talk and and didn't even know what was going on. The Bible lets you know that God, God knew where it was going. He knew how he was going to use you. He knew he was going to, who he was going to send into your life to be with you forever. He knew how many kids you would have and where you would live and what he would plan to do with you. He knew the day that he would reel you in unto himself. I was talking with a friend the other day about, uh, you know, because we know that God, we're here because God is basically, he just just reeled us in. And And so we were having a conversation. When is the fish caught? When are we saved? The day that 
he puts us on the boat or the day that he puts the hook in our mouth. And so when, when is the fish caught? Is the fish caught when it's on the boat or is the fish caught when the hook is in its mouth? And I believe at five or six years old, God put a hook in my mouth. In Sunday school, a seed, a seed was planted, and I started having interests that I didn't have before. And, and you may or may not remember. Most people remember the day that they got on the boat. Most people remember the day that they came to the altar and said, God, save me. Most people don't know the day that the hook was put in your mouth. And so I say all that to say that God has a plan for you. A plan for you. And it is nothing that the devil can do about the plan that he has for you. Now, we give the devil a whole bunch of credit. But the thing that God wants to do in your life, he is going to do regardless uh, regardless of what the devil tries. The Bible says that upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The things that God is planning to do with and in your life, there is nothing to, that the devil can do to stop it. But I, I want you to know that he is, he's calling you. He's calling you. And so and we, when we talk about being called and we talk about that purpose and what that purpose looks like, what he's calling you to, the first thing you have to know is that he's just calling you closer to him. Realizing purpose and coming into purpose and coming in ultimately to the plan that he has for you for your life starts with you just coming closer to him. The word called is, uh, it's, it's real simple. Uh, in this term, it is a Greek word. Um, follow me if you will. This might get a little complicated. It's a Greek word that means come here. Okay? Call, don't, don't, don't get lost. Uh, it's, it's a Greek word. It, it means come here. And so you have to know that God wants you to come closer to him than what you are. From... Here to the very back wall, everyone in here, God wants you to come closer to him than what you are. He wants you to come after him. Not just come closer to him, come after him. The book of Solomon, uh, Songs of Solomon, uh, it talks about, it compares the relationship with God and us to the relationship between a man and a woman. But it's talking about it from the perspective of, of the human. And so he, he, he talks about his lover who comes after him. And his lover came, came in through the window and, and, and pursued him. And so it is the acknowledgement that God pursued me. I'm not, I didn't just come in here. I didn't just walk into this. I didn't just make up my mind one day. You may thought, oh, I just made up my mind. I just, I just had enough. No, 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 no. You didn't make up your mind. The Bible says that no man... No man can say that they just came to God. There is no such thing as a fish, and you might have some good fishermen here. Uh, very seldomly does a fish just hop on the I've never seen it. Uh, just a fish just hop on the boat. Like a fish just say, oh, you want me for dinner? Oh, just why didn't you say so? And just, I don't know how a fish would do it, just on the boat. It just, that doesn't happen. Like, you just don't come to know Christ. You just, that just doesn't happen. He, he reeled you in. 
And there were different kind of baits for, for different ones of us in here. But all of us have the same testimony that he reeled all of us in. And, and for some of you, it took six months. And for some of you, it took six years. But whether it is six months or six years, all of you are here because he reeled you in. He reeled you in. That's why the Bible says that pride, pride is among the sins that God hates the most. The the Bible, as a matter of fact, when it talks about the seven sins that God hates the most, it doesn't even say that he hates pride. We can assume that he hates pride. It says that he hates the look of pride. He hates a proud look. So we can just assume he hates that he hates pride itself. The Bible says that he hates the look of it. He doesn't, don't even look like you hopped on this boat yourself. Don't even look like you sanctified and set aside yourself. Don't even look like you preserved yourself. I made measures to preserve you. There is nothing in my refrigerator that that found its way in there. From the milk to the ice cream. Oh, I'm getting hungry. Um, All of it. I I put it all in there. All of it. Well, Tess put some in there too. She put it in there. Actually, she put most of it in there. But nothing just walked up in there. Nothing just came up to the door and said, you going to open it? And, just, and nothing, nothing did that. Everything, we put it in there because we had a plan for it. And get this, I had a plan for it before it was even in there. I had the plan before I preserved it. I had an idea of what I wanted to do with it before it ever found its way to the refrigerator. And before you were born, Jeremiah alluded to it. He had a plan. Before you were ever born, he knew why he put you in the refrigerator. He knew. And and those of you in this room, you've been through things. You've been through high and low, hell and high water, but you haven't spoiled. There's a reason he preserved you. And so that's why God doesn't even like the look of pride. Don't look like you got here on your own. That's why, that's why it behooves me. It, 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 upsets, it, it, it is upsetting to me sometimes even during praise and worship when I see people who just, uh, just I, you know, I, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not feeling it today. The same God who, who took measures to preserve you, went out of his way to preserve you. Uh, even the Bible says he was faithful to you when you weren't faithful to him in the club and in, in the strip, doing all these different places, doing all these different things, doing things you shouldn't have done. And God saw past it all. And even when you weren't paying him any mind, he preserved you. He said, I know you're not, I know you're not even looking at me right now, but I'm going to preserve you because I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. And whether you're paying attention to me or not, I'm going, I'm going to put you in this refrigerator anyway, yelling, kicking, screaming. I'm going to put you in this refrigerator anyway, and I'm going to preserve your life. And I'm going to preserve my plan for your life. There is nothing you did to get here. And so Songs of Solomon lets us know, number one, he came after us. We all have, and, and however many people there are in here, there are that many different testimonies of how you came to know the Lord. I love talking with people and finding out how they got on the boat. What kind of bait was used? How long it took them to be reeled in? Whether they kicked and screamed or whether they just, when they realized that the hook was in their mouth, whether they just kind of started fighting. I, I love to hear people's testimonies. But no matter what Songs of Solomon is saying, 
He reeled me in. He came after me. He came where I was. He pursued me. He pursued me. And so in Songs of Solomon, it's saying, okay, he, he pursued me. Now I give my life to him and now I'm saved. And so at that moment, once he's pursued me and he's gotten me, Songs of Solomon gives the impression that it's almost like a game of tag, that he's pursued me. He started it. Now he's, I'm here because he's pursued me. Now, now that he has saved me, now I pursue him. Paul said that I must come after the God who came after me. I have to pursue the God who pursued me. And so I think that most people, some people get lost and uh, some people get lost and, you know, God saved you and he, he tagged you and now you're saved and you just, the game is over. You just, you just stop. You just stop. Some, most people are in regards to this whole picture, God has tagged them and saved them and now they're just standing there saved. And it's like, no, I need, I need to pursue the God who pursued me. As hard as he pursued me, I need to try to pursue him. And so I need to go after him. I need to, whether it is convenient for me or not, I need to go after him. I need to go after him. Most people aren't going after God. Most people aren't seeking God. Most people are just sitting there tagged and saved, just, just saved and standing there. It's, and it's crazy, I, and I, I told you about it before, I, I played this game, I did it again, I told you about it, I played this game with my niece, and the other day, did it the same thing the other day, she's not even two years, is she two years, she's two, she is two, okay, Play, did it again the other day, I, I tagged her and took off, and it took her a half a second to realize what was going on, and it was on, and, and she has more energy than me, so I had to end the game, it was like, all right, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, here, you got me. Give me. Give me. And it was just, but it took her a half a second to realize, oh, you, you tagged me, and then you took off. And that's ultimately what God has done. When he saved you, he tagged you and took off. And now it is up to you to pursue the God who pursued you. And so in pursuing him, you are going after him and coming closer to him. Okay? And so when I ask the question, uh, do you know what he wants you to do? It is a matter just of proximity. It is a matter of proximity. Okay? Because if you're not close enough to God, you're not hearing. It's not that he hasn't tried to tell you. It's not that he's not speaking. It's that a lot of times, if you're not close enough, you won't know what he's saying. Okay, I remember this one time I told a friend of mine about this this week. One time my dad was on the porch. He may not even remember this. So he, was, he stands on the porch and he's calling me. No, well, he's talking to me. Now, I'm the only one in the yard at the time. And so I can see across the yard that his lips are moving. And I just see this like. And so he's looking at me. And so I'm looking around. It's like, why is he not? talking uh louder and so i started to come towards him and i remember saying to him i said why didn't you 
Why didn't you yell? Why didn't you talk louder? I said it respectfully. I didn't say it like that. um, That would put myself in danger. And so I I said, why didn't you you, you yell? (laughs) Why why didn't you talk louder? And I said, I didn't hear you. He said, that's your fault. That's your fault that you didn't hear me. I've been standing here this whole time talking to you. All you had to do was come closer. And so I want you to know that God has been talking this whole time. I want you to know that for some time, he's wanted you to come closer. And even as we pray about this and talk about this, as, as you come closer to God, God, what, what, are you, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? As you come closer to God, then he will, you will start to hear what it is that he really has been saying all along. The Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. Okay, now when Jesus said that, when he was asked by the disciples, it said, Master, teach us to pray. And so as he's praying, he said, uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, God, give us this day our daily bread. It is the acknowledgement that God has something to say to me every single day. There is something that God wants to say to you. There's a message he wants to get through to you, not just once a month, not just once a week when you're sitting here and I'm standing here. No, no, no. Every single day there is something he wants to say to you. But if you're not drawing closer to him, you won't know what he's saying. And you may say, well, how crazy is that, that God wouldn't just come to me and come closer to me and get the message to me anyway? I say this to you. There are some, some things are too important to be said over a distance. Okay? Some things are too important to be said over a distance. And your relationship with God, get this, your relationship with God and how he talks to you, and the manner of things that he shares with, shares with you, how intimate it is, how much he lets you in on, will always be proportional to how far you are away from him. Distance always determines conversation. Distance will always determine conversation. Let me see. If, 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 for those of you that don't see Tim, Tim is sitting in the back. You don't have to turn around and look at him. But he's on this far side in the very back. Now, Tim and I, from right here, right now, Tim, how you doing? Tim, say something. It wasn't... <laughs> okay, he said something. Tim's quiet. I should have asked somebody else. So, <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. But, no, I'm not forgetting Tim. I love Tim. But what I'm saying is from right here, I can have a conversation with him from right here. It's not that we can't talk. We can talk. We can talk right now. I can start uh, having a conversation with him right now. But that conversation is limited. Think about the things that we can talk about from with 200 some other people in the room from across the room. What can we talk about? Um, Tim, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Um, how's everything? I mean, it's pretty limited from across the room. And not that we can't talk, but what we can talk about unless he, uh, unless, you know, unless you have a social uh, problem, uh, what you can talk about from across the room is pretty limited. Okay? 
Raise your hand if you don't get that. If that's a, if you don't get that, then see me at the church. Let me pray for you. Um, there are but so many things. I'm not going to tell him how me and everybody sitting here all the way across the room. I'm not going to tell him how me and Tessa are doing. I'm not going to tell him how hard my week was or what I need him to pray for me about. I'm not going to talk about that across the room. Some things are too important to be yelled over a distance. Some things are too important to be communicated over a distance. And when you're not close enough to God, you may think that he doesn't want to talk to you. You may think that he's boring, but it's that God will only communicate so much to you when you're that far away. And as you draw into him, he'll tell you a little more. Some things are too important to be communicated over a distance. There was one time, this was years ago, uh, back when a very young adult, very young adult at the time, and, and uh, didn't really understand the whole thing. I had a checking account. I think it was my first checking account. Didn't really understand that uh, how it worked, the whole thing. Uh, I just thought I could. Um, it's, it's funny because John had a similar experience. Uh, I thought that I could continue to write checks as long as I had checks in my checkbook. <laughs> I, I, I thought that it was good. I mean, it was, I mean, you talking? I got, I got plenty. I got 40 checks left. I'm good. And I just continued to. And I remember one time I went to, I don't even remember where I was. So I went to swipe. Uh, no, no, no. I was eating somewhere. And, uh, and I gave the lady, I think I gave her my card or whatever. And so she came and, and she, came, she came to me to tell me it was declined. It was so funny how she did it. It was like she came to me. I was like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> so, and she came, like, she came closer. She was already pretty close. And so she took another step. It's like, it was declined. And I was like, oh. But think about how upset I would have gotten if she would have said it from, like, the other side of the restaurant. Like, hey, it was declined. Like, I was, if, if I would have seen her trying to communicate that and I knew that's what she was saying, I would have been like, hey, excuse no. Um, I'm coming. You want to meet halfway? Let, let's meet halfway. Like, don't, not nah, don't do that. Don't, don't. I'm coming to you. You come. Let's meet halfway. So, like, I wouldn't have wanted her to do that. Okay. Some things are too important to be communicated over a distance, and there are some things that God will not share with you until you come closer. There are some things. There's a lot of things that God will not share with you. Until you come closer. There's a type of conversation that Daniel's sitting right here in the front row. There's a type of conversation that's a little more exclusive than what I could have with Tim way back there. There's a type of conversation that I could have with Daniel right here on the front row. We could talk about a little more, even with a lot of people in the room. Uh, if my mic wasn't on, there's, a, there's another... There's another, now it's a little more exclusive. I can go a little more in depth what's going on with me. Now that's another type of conversation, okay? Um, I, I hope you understand just social cues and, and how the social etiquette and how this works. So there's another type of conversation we could have right here. But there's another type of conversation that we can have right here, okay? And this is what, ultimately what God wants to do, to have that type of conversation with you 
And God, you have to understand, God wants to share with you what he wants to do in your life, how he wants to use you, you know, who he has for you, where this is all going. He doesn't want you to be in the dark. He's just not going to scream it out over a distance. He's not going to scream it out over a distance. And until you come closer, until you make up in your mind that you're not going to... uh, let your relationship with him be determined by convenience. In Songs of Solomon, the uh, third chapter in the first verse, he says, I sought him on my bed and I found him not. Okay, knowing that God wanted me to come after him, he said, just laying from my bed, from a place of, from a place of convenience. I, I didn't get up and go after him. I just sought him on my bed. God, you know what you do. Like he just, from my convenience, from a place of convenience. He says, I sought him on my bed and I found him not. In other words, I only did what was convenient for me and that didn't cut it. And I want you to know, as you pursue God and you go after God and you take measures to do that, as long as you do what's easy and as long as you do what you feel like doing. Most people, most people only do what they feel like doing. As long as you do that, you'll never get close to God. He'll never clue you in on what he has for you and the intimate things he wants to tell you. He's not going to talk about those kinds of things over a distance. Even as God communicates to you now, I believe God is communicating to you now in a room with however many people, that he's still, even now, he's talking to you. He's talking to you, and he's talking to you. Even now, with all these people in the room, he's talking to you. But that's communication over a distance. You don't want God to start communicating with you, like right now, through me right now, just to you, like about some, about some real stuff. You don't want him to do that. You want him to keep it real broad and vague and like, okay, God, like, I get it. I get it. I know. I know what you want me to do. You don't have to. Like, you don't want him to start doing that. Like, you don't want him to, to call you out and get, and get like real and have, have a close conversation from far away. You don't want him to do that right now. Raise your hand if you want God to do that right now. You want him to start saying some, I mean, some real stuff, putting your business out there in front of everybody just to talk intimately with you right now. Raise your hand if you want him to do it. Let's see if he'll do it. You you don't want him to do that. You don't want him to do that. You don't want him to have. And so this is not, this is only the tip of the iceberg. For those of you that come here and, and, and enjoy this preaching at all and get something out of it at all, I thank God it's all him. To God be the glory. He's having a conversation with you, and that's good. But that's a conversation from a distance. There needs to be some conversations with him during the week that are way more intimate than this. The, the deepest most, uh, most amazing things, mind-blowing things that God shares with me. He doesn't share with me in front of a bunch of people. He shares with me while I'm laying on a hammock, laying on a hammock in the backyard. When I've gotten up to pray, I go in my little, my little war room uh, in the guest room, in the guest room closet, my little war room closet. I go in there. When, when I'm on my knees in, in front of this little thing, I, I made them, got my stickies everywhere, and those are the times when he shares with me those intimate things. That's where I found out 
he wanted me to preach. That's where I found out that he wanted me to disciple people and how he was going to use me. That's where I found out. I didn't find, he didn't tell me at church. The pastor didn't say, oh, you. God wants you. He wants you like Uncle Sam. God wants you. <laughs> he wanted me to preach. Like, it didn't happen like that. And unless you seek him in private, then the conversation will not go any further. And there are those of you in this room, I don't know who you are, but there's somebody in this room who's wondering why my conversation with God hadn't gotten any better. Why God hadn't gone any deeper with me. Why won't he tell me good things? Why won't, why won't he answer my prayers? It's not that he's not, he is. God is talking every day. Give us this day our daily bread. He's talking, but again, the distance will always limit conversation. It does matter how close you are to God. He wants you to come closer to him. Matthew 11 and 5 says, He that has ears to hear, let him hear what God is saying. He that has ears to hear. It doesn't mean that everybody doesn't have ears. It means that everybody doesn't hear from God. God could say something right now. Right now, he could say it. I mean, not even through me, just right now, with silence in the room, God could say something and say the same thing, the same God could say the same thing to everybody. Right now, like if I were to take my mic off and say, God, you talk. He could say the same thing to everybody right now and everybody wouldn't hear it. Everybody wouldn't hear it because we are distant. We are different distances from him. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Everybody doesn't hear from God. And as you pursue God, uh, we, we talked before about the bread of life, the bread of life. This, as you pursue God, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, reading your Bible, you're praying. And so what you're doing, you're consuming the bread of life. You're consuming, you're consuming him. And so ultimately, as you consume him, what happens, what happens, anybody, you just yell it out. What happens as you continue to consume? As you just, if you just, and I'm not talking spiritual, just if you just sit there in the natural, let's say you're just sitting at your table at home or at a bar or at a restaurant, and you're sitting there, you're just consuming. You're sitting at the table, you're eating, you're drinking. You're eating, you're drinking. What happens sooner or later? Anybody? Yes. But even after that, what happens? I'm consuming. Thank you. It's got to go somewhere. It's got to go somewhere. You can fool too. I wasn't wrong. But it's got to go somewhere. I can't just sit there and, and just drink. I can't just go to uh, Cracker Barrel and drink sweet tea, after, cup after sweet tea, and she's filling it up, and I'm drinking. She's filling it up, and I'm drinking. I can't sit there. I probably won't sit there for more than 45 minutes if, if that's going on. At some point, I'm going to have to excuse myself from the table because consumption leads to relief. Consumption leads to relief. And if you're reading your Bible, you're sitting at God's table, and you're reading your Bible, and you're praying, you see, reading your Bible and praying, at, at some point, 
that's going to have to, you get, that, that's going to, that's going to build up and you're going to have to do something with that. Even as I've been reading my Bible and praying all week, this is relief for me to do this. I'll feel better after this. Reading my Bible, praying, spending time. I get full by Friday night, by Friday, Saturday. I feel full. Like, oh my gosh, like, I'm just, I'm ready to get it out of me. And if you're reading your Bible and praying like you should, there should be something that you are having an urge to do. Now, if you're just sitting at the table, God has saved you. You're sitting at the table. You're not eating and drinking anything. You're not really eating. You're not really drinking. The waitress, God's coming to the table. Uh, hey, ma'am, uh, can I get you some word? Can I get you some John 15? No, I'm good. I don't need to read that. Uh, can I get you some prayer? Oh, no, I don't need to, I don't need to talk to you. <laughs> like if, you're, if you're doing that and, and you're just olaying on those things, then you won't have to. You can sit there all day. You'll never have the urge to do for God. You'll never have the urge to, to relieve yourself in some way. You'll never have the urge to live out what he's been feeding you with in some way. That's why people can go six months, six months to a year, not be active in the church. I always, if you ever wondered how that can happen, oh, how some people could just come and, and, and not be active and not do anything, not help out, not, not, not disciple anybody, not witness to anybody. Uh, that lets me know you're not consuming anything. You can't be reading your Bible regularly. You can't be praying regularly. You can't be consuming with any, with any type of quantity uh, because if you were at some point, you, you, it would have to come out somewhere. The Bible says that he's the bread of life and living water. And so if I'm consuming the bread of life and the living water, at some point, it's gonna live, I'm going to have to do something to relieve myself in some way. Now, get this. Now, I don't want to be nasty, but uh, so excuse me. Um, but this is not here, so I can do it. So, so let's say you've been. So we're gonna t- we're gonna go to the next level on this. So you've been you've been you've been eating and you've been drinking and you're sitting there and it's like oh, I feel it. And so okay, so no, I'm not talking about diarrhea. I'm saying like. <laughs> At that moment, here's what, you, here's what you do. You determine what number is that. Okay? Is that? Oh, oh, that's, oh, that's definitely a one. That's a one. That's a one all the way. And you know, you, and you know what you got to do before you even get up. And, uh, and then you feel something else. You've been eating. And it's like, oh, that's a two. I know it's a two. <laughs> nobody nobody doesn't have to tell me. That is a two. And so and then sometimes... Uh, at least if you're me, sometimes oh that's a, that's a, that's that's a three, that's that's a one, that's a one plus two with a one two one two one is, a, is that's a three. I'll call it a three, and I'm going to detail, but I know before I get up what needs to be done. And so, as you read your Bible and you pray, you consume the bread of life. Okay, at some point. There is the determining what, what will relieve this from me. What will, who do I need to disciple? Who, I, 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 you know, I'm telling you, the things I do, even the things that God wants me to do, I don't do because uh, really so much out of obedience as much out of relief. 
because um, I'm eating the bread of life, I'm drinking, and so I just end up talking to my neighbor about Jesus because it's got to go somewhere. Every single one of my neighbors knows that I love the Lord, except for this one. She won't even talk to us. She just goes straight in, and but that's another point. But it's just, I don't even do it so much out of obedience as much out of relief. And so as you start to, if you haven't before, as you start to take God a little more seriously and start reading your Bible and praying, God will bring something to you. He'll bring it to the forefront, how you can relieve that. And all of a sudden, you'll, you'll talk to that coworker in that next cubicle. You'll have that conversation about Jesus you never thought you have. Why? Because you've been consuming. You've been consuming and it's got to go somewhere. Whether that's preaching or singing or discipling or talking to my neighbor about Christ or talking to my coworker about Christ or showing love when I never thought I'd show love or, or, or not having road rage when I would usually have road rage. It has to come out. If, if you're consuming like you should, it has to come out in some way or another. And what goes in? comes out. What goes in comes out. What goes in comes out. That's why it is so important what kind of things you watch on TV and and who you talk to because what goes in is real important. And sometimes for you, you may, and it may be you in this room, you have a lot of mess coming out. You say, why is, why is all this mess coming out? Why do I say the things I say? Why do I do the things I do? Why can't I stop doing this thing that I know I should stop doing? And you got all this mess coming out. Well, there's probably mess going in. Okay? And so you need to be real careful what kind of music you're listening to and what kind of television shows you're watching. Um, and, and those who you're talking to, the friends, uh, people you give ear to, what goes in is important. That's why I won't, I won't, I, there's only so many people that I will have a conversation over three or four minutes with. I, I kid you, it's not, not even a joke. There are only so many people that I have a conversation over three or four minutes with because I need to know and trust because what goes into me is coming out. And so I need to know and trust you that you will put the right things in me. That you're not going to come to me with gossip. Because if that goes in, it's coming out. That you're not going to come to me with lies. Because what goes in, comes out. And so I can't just listen to anything. It's not that I think I'm holy. It's not that I think I'm better than anybody. Forget all that. But I know what goes in, comes out. And so I, I can't just go around taking and that's why it's like, oh, here, some people come to you with mess and you just take it and mess comes out. I've cut off conversations. I mean, mid-conversation. I mean, excuse me. I just, I can't, I can't let this conversation go anymore because I, I, I just can't do it. No, no offense to you, but I, I just can't continue to have this conversation. It's not that I don't like you. As a matter of fact, I love you, but I can't continue to have this conversation. And some people, you'll sit there and listen to a conversation you know you should have cut off 10 minutes ago. It's like somebody coming to you, hey, Daniel, take this laxative real quick. Yeah, yeah take it. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. Like, just give me, that's, what goes in comes out. That's going to create a problem I don't want to deal with in about 30 minutes. Okay? If I, and, if, and, if, and if I hand you a laxative and you take it, and, and you don't need it. Shame on you. 
Shame on you, you just taking laxative. And those of you in this room, you have friends who just gives you laxative. This may be getting nasty about a minute, but, but take it, okay? <laughs> Listen to what I'm saying. And there are those of you in this room who are giving you, you have friends, you have family, you have coworkers who are giving you things that you shouldn't be taking, giving you conversation you shouldn't be listening to, entertaining you with things you shouldn't even, you should, hey, hey, let me stop you right there. This is going, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. But if I can trust that you'll give me Jesus, if I can trust that you'll be positive, if I can trust, uh, because the Bible says, the Bible says that he who walks with the wise becomes wise. Okay? Now, it is understood that the wise man is wise. Okay? It's understood that the wise man is wise, but he who walks with the wise becomes wise. I can, I can put myself in a good position if I just surround myself with good people. I may not be that smart. I may not be that gifted, but I have good people in my life, and that's me. I'm, 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 not, I'm not that smart. I'm not that gifted, but I got some really good people. And a, and a lot of you are sitting in this room. That's why I love coming here. Some good people in this room who feed into me. And so he who walks with the wise becomes wise. But it says, he who keeps company with fools suffers harm. That I'll suffer harm just because I got fools around me. And you may not be a fool, but you can have some fools around you and it'll bring you to harm. And it does matter who you hang out with. It does matter who you spend time with. Now, I'm not, now we need to minister to people and we help people, but that's a touch and go type of situation. I can't have intimacy with everybody. Now, I can minister to you and boom and give you some Jesus and then go about my business. But to have intimacy with you, I, I need trust. I can't just have that with anybody. If you're going to be feeding into me and feed, I pick my friends out. If you're going to be feeding into me and feeding into me regularly, I need to know that Jesus is coming out of you. Why? Because what goes in comes out. And, and God is calling you, and I'm going to wrap it in a second, but God is calling you, but you need to know as he calls you and as you pursue him that you'll, you'll come up on what he's calling you to do only as you pursue him and come towards him. And if you don't know what he's called you to do, and most of us don't, that's fine. Come closer. Come closer, he wants to tell you. Come closer, he wants to let you in on it. You have tools. Everything that you're able to do, you have, you're able to do for a reason. Every tool in your tool belt, you have for a reason. There's some of you in this room, you're... You're good with a group of people, but you're not really good one-on-one. There are some of you, you can't stand being around a crowd, but you're, but you're really good one-on-one. There are those of you, some of you are shy. Uh, some of you are not shy. Some of you are good with money. Some of you have a, 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 you're very tempered. Some of you have a bad temper. And all of you have this gift. All of us have gifts, okay? And at some point, to look at what you have, I have a hammer, but I don't have a wrench. I, I have this but I don't have that God has a plan for everything that you have for everything that you're able to do he has a plan for it everything every gift everything that you have in your tool belt he plans on using it for his glory there's some of you you could you could you could sell 
water to somebody standing in the middle of the lake. You can sell them some. You can sell. You can sell them water, lake water, and they're standing in water. You can and you can get them. You can get them to do it. But that is a gift. And instead of selling, most people take their gifts, and because they haven't spent time with God, they use them for their personal gain. Most people take that gift of, they may have, you might have that gift of gab. You can sell water to somebody standing in the middle of the lake. Use that, use that to get sex. That got real quiet. Most people, and it, because if you don't talk to God and you don't know what he wants you to do with it, you'll use it, you'll misuse it. Without talking to God, you will always misuse what you have. You will always misuse what you have. I'm uh, my phone now. My phone, uh, it could be I could use it as a doorstop. This iPhone, well, I, I could use it as a doorstop, and it could serve the purpose. Now it's an okay doorstop. Now I could use it as a cup holder. I could sit it right here, put right here, and put a cup on top. It's an okay cup holder. It's an okay doorstop, but it's a really good phone. And those of you, those of you in this room, you, you have gifts. You don't even know what to do with it. You don't know how to maximize. Only God can tell you. If I got this thing in the mail and I didn't know what it was, I'm like, oh, what's this? What can this do? And I'm just messing with it. And, oh, let me use it. You, I might try to do whatever with it. And so if I have any doubts about what to do with it, it, uh, it says Apple on it somewhere. I can call Apple because they made it, and I can find out what to do with it. Those of you in this room, you have things you don't know what to do with them. Call the God who made you. He made all your apps, and he knows what to do with every single thing that you have. He knows why you have it, and, and we don't all have the same things. He knows what you have and why you have it. He knows what you don't have. And he didn't give it, and he gave it to you, didn't give it to you on purpose. And it's up to you to seek him and say, God, why'd you give me this and not that? Why did I have a mom and not a dad? Why did I grow up, uh, why did I grow up without brothers and sisters when my friends had three and four? Why? Why did you give me this and not that? Why did you make me the way you made me? What did you want me to do with what you are given? And if you are asking that and you do ask that, God wants you to know I've been waiting on you to ask me. I thought you'd never ask me. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for all of your many blessings. Thank you for uh, all the things that you do for us. Um, God, give us clarity. Show us what you want us to do. Uh, help us to come closer to you. Help us to know and remember that some things are too important to be communicated over a distance. Our distance from you will always control our conversation with you. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.